All right, all right. Hey, if you have a Bible, go ahead and get to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a hardback black one in the chair uh, near you. You can grab that one. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, If you're looking for family Advent resources, there is a resource for sale in the lobby. You can go and grab that one, and uh, you can just start where where you need to start. So Advent, the season has already started, so don't be like, oh, well, it's not day one. We're not doing this. Don't be so suburban, people. You can still (laughs) disciple your family. It's okay. Um, And you can grab that resource out there and uh, talk about those things with your kids. That's available to you in the lobby. Uh, So as you know, we're in this season called Advent, and the point of Advent, it's just this cyclical rhythm in the life of of a church and the church to put us in a place of anticipation, to look back and remember what might it have been like to anticipate the first Advent of Jesus, the Messiah, and then to celebrate that Advent in what we call Christmas. We gather on Christmas to celebrate. He is here. The Advent has happened, and so we celebrate that. But we don't just look back and remember, we look forward with hopeful anticipation because he promises to advent again, to arrive again in his second coming. And so we, the people of Jesus now, await the second advent of our Messiah. And through this season of advent, we just focus on a handful of themes. Last week, we looked at the theme of hope. This week, we look at the theme of peace. And and I think maybe in the world you and I live in, That term is either misunderstood or partially understood. And so maybe this is helpful. Uh, One of my sons enjoys doing puzzles. And so for some of you, you're like, that sounds like the best Saturday ever. And for others of you, you're like, I'd rather do anything else on the earth available to me than a puzzle. Um, but one of my sons enjoys doing puzzles. And, and so the other, uh, other day, it's a Sunday, our life group's at our house, and he's sitting next to me, and he brings a box, and he dumps out the puzzle to participate in this puzzle. And I don't know if you've thought about this as you do a puzzle, but every puzzle that you do begins in chaos. You take a puzzle, you open the box, you dump the pieces on to the table. None of you dump that puzzle out, and it's the picture that it intends to be. If it is, pick a better puzzle, because that's not how puzzles work. You dump them out onto the table in chaos. And this is consequently why people who don't like puzzles don't do puzzles. You're like, you're not proving my point for why I'm never doing a puzzle again. Because you dump them out into chaos onto the table and then you have to begin flipping the pieces over and figuring out which of these are edges and which of these are middle because you know you have to do the border first and then you fill in the middle and some of you don't do that. Some of you do ridiculous puzzles like I'm gonna do a puzzle that's all white and just figure out how to do it. Just like, why do you do that to yourself? But puzzles begin in chaos, and so this is what my son does. He dumps the puzzle out onto the ground, and it's just chaos, and so we begin flipping the pieces over to begin doing this puzzle. And he doesn't resolve this. He's little, but as I observe this now, he turns to me at some point, and he says, Daddy, can you help me? And what's happening? He's resolved in himself at some level. The chaos that's before me It's too much for me in and of myself to order. And I need somebody that's stronger and more capable than me to step in and bring peace to this chaos. I need somebody to come and order the chaos. And that's a pretty helpful picture of what peace is biblically. Tim Mackey of the Bible Project says that peace simply defined is just the idea of complete or whole. In the Old Testament, the word is shalom. 
And the more expanded definition is that this peace is taking what is broken and restoring it to wholeness. That it's not necessarily just the absence of conflict. It's also the presence of something else, something better, something is complete, something is whole. The chaos is removed, but wholeness has entered. This is the peace that the Bible talks about. And consequently, this is the peace that your soul longs for. Let's just keep beating this dead horse. This is why some of you love puzzles. Because you like to take what is chaotic and order it. And I think maybe it's just this glimpse of what we're meant to delight in. Some of you love to clean your house and just sit down and be like, everything is okay in the world. My kids are asleep. There's not clothes on the ground. I'm so thankful. When there's order, you have this sense of peace because it's this glimpse of what our soul longs for, for completeness or wholeness to be brought to chaos. And I think we'll see that as we look at 2 Thessalonians chapter three. So if you're able to stand, I'd invite you to do so. We'll read just one verse, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16. At the end of our main text reading, we say this phrase, the very words, just as a way to separate God's perfect words from mine that are not. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16, this is what the word of God says. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. You can have a seat. This is the main idea for our time together. Jesus is the source and giver of the peace we long for at all times in every way. I'll give it to you one more time. Jesus is the source and giver of the peace we long for at all times in every way. Way. So maybe the question that's helpful for us to answer at this point is, why do we need peace? The circumstances around the letter to the church of Thessalonica help us in this way. There's two reasons why Paul's offering this prayer for peace for them, and consequently, why it's true that you and I need peace. One, because there's chaos out there, and there's chaos in here. It's broken out there, and it's broken in here. There's chaos out there for the church of Thessalonica. The church is birthed in persecution, You can go back to Acts chapter 17 to see this. So Paul writes to them to remain steadfast amidst the persecution, the chaos that they're facing. There's peace for you, church of Thessalonica, even amidst the chaos, the brokenness that's out there. And that's true for us. It's it's broken out here. Systems don't work as they should. People that we love get sick and die. Jobs suddenly end. Monthly expenses are higher than they've ever been, and we feel pressed financially, and it's chaotic out there, and we long for peace. But it's not just broken out there. It's broken in here, and we long for peace. It was broken in the church at Thessalonica. It was chaotic in the church at Thessalonica. There was some misinformation around the return of Jesus that was causing them some anxiety, so Paul writes to them. There were some people disrupting their fellowship, so Paul writes to them, there's some chaos, but peace is offered, even though there's chaos outside and inside, peace is offered to them. And the same is true of us. It's not just chaos out here, it's chaos in here. Relationships fracture. Kids go prodigal. We hurt people, and people hurt us. We wrong people, and people wrong us. We've got desires in us that we'd just rather not have. And it's chaos in here. And yes, it would be great if God ordered the peace, it got brought peace to stuff out here. 
But man, God, would it be great if you brought peace to stuff in here. And so we long for it. The question that we're left with is, do we go to the right source for it? And so we find the answer to the question of source back in verse 16. Look back at 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. What's the source of this peace? Surprise, surprise, welcome to church. Jesus is the source of this peace. You're like, well, you went to school to give us that answer. Thank you, Kate. I appreciate that. But you see that there in verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. So it gives us a bit of a resume for why is it that Jesus is the source of this peace that we long for? The first you see at the beginning of the verse, now may the Lord of peace. The reason that he's able to be the source of it is because he's the owner of it. Jesus is the owner of the peace that we long for. He's the Lord of it, as it describes it there. As Isaiah 9 describes it, he is the prince of peace. And thus, if he's the owner of it, He is the source of it. And because he's the Lord of it, as my friend says, he decides how he gives it. Often what we want when it comes to peace is just for our circumstances to settle down. Can this just go away? Can this just turn down? Can this just settle? That would be peace. And so often, our God meets us amidst the chaos to provide us peace because he's doing something deeper in us. He's trying to make us whole. He's trying to bring completeness to us. Jesus is the source of this peace because he's the owner of this peace, but he's also the source of this peace because he's the giver of it. You see that back in verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace, the owner himself, give you peace. Because he's the owner, he's certainly the one who dishes it out. He is the one who gives it. But if we're honest about it, we choose all kinds of other sources for this peace all the time. Stuff gets chaotic in our life or outside of the world, and so what do we do? We unlock our phone, we open social media, and we just scroll. We try to numb the anxiety. And isn't it ironic? The very place that you went to find peace, you just find more anxiety because you were never meant to go there. Or you turn on a show and just maybe I can just forget about what's going on out here. Maybe this can just kind of help me die down the anxiety in my life. I'll just binge this series one more time, one more time, one more time so I can just forget about the fact that this is not okay, but you turn off the TV and guess what waits you? The anxiety remains because you were never meant to go there to find that peace. Or you look to relationships because stuff out here is so chaotic. And so what you'll do is you'll put a weight on somebody to be your peace that could never be your peace. And so you'll put a burden on them that they will never meant to bear because only God is meant to bear that burden. But you look to them to be your peace. Or maybe for others of you, it's not that, but you will just, you will, you will put your head down and you will work 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week because if I could just be successful at this job, it would bring me peace. Or maybe it's none of those things for you. Maybe for others of you, you'll just retract. You'll just retreat into isolation. If I could just get away from these people that cause me anxiety and this scenario that causes me anxiety, I'll just remove myself from people. I'll disconnect from my family. I'll disconnect from my friends. 
because maybe that will provide me the peace that I long for. And yet it doesn't. And maybe for others of you, it's, it's none of those things. Maybe what you'll do to find peace is put a burden on your kids to academically or athletically or behaviorally perform so that you feel like something is in my control and will provide me peace. And with all of them, we're left wanting because those are never the sources of peace we were, never, we were made to go to. They can't promise on what they, they promise to, deli- they can't deliver on what they promise. They can't make us whole. They can't fix what's broken in us. They can't fix what's broken around us. Only Jesus can provide that. And so then we're left to ask the question, if he's the source, what is his peace like? What is this prince of peace? What is his peace like? You see that back in verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. Here's the first one. At all times. This peace that Jesus provides comes at all times. It's not dependent on our circumstances. It's not dependent on our circumstances. There is not a scenario into which the Lord of peace, the Prince of peace, cannot provide us the peace that our soul longs for. This is, I think, what Paul's getting at in Philippians chapter 4 when he says this. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, perhaps, which goes outside of your circumstances, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is hinting at, amidst the circumstances that riddle you with anxiety, there is a way for you to lean into the Prince of Peace and him provide you peace amidst your circumstances that is outside of your circumstances. What a gift. We sing this truth, don't we? When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Some of you have grown up singing this reality, never actually embracing the reality that our God provides a kind of peace that when it's great, And when the chaos feels like wave after wave, somehow the Prince of Peace meets us there. This is the kind of peace that Jesus is offering amidst the chaos, regardless of circumstance. This is actually what we just read in Romans chapter five. We have peace with God. And so we rejoice in all these things. And he ends that section that was just read. Not just that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, which you would read that and you're like, how, how weird, Paul, you are weird. But how is it that we're able as the people of Jesus to rejoice even amidst suffering because we have, we have been brought into this peace with God that goes beyond our understanding. And because we have this peace, we can rejoice even in our suffering, even in our suffering. This peace goes beyond circumstance. The second way you see back in verse 16, What does this peace look like? Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times. Second way, in every way. This peace that Jesus provides is not limited by means. There's not one means by which Jesus provides this. 
It's like, okay, the only time that peace comes is when you're sitting at Bay Area Church in the chair reading your Bible. This is how Jesus offers you peace. Does Jesus offer us peace by the, amongst the gathered people of God? Of course he does. Does Jesus offer us peace alone as we read the scriptures? Of course he does. Does Jesus offer us peace as we sing true things about him? Of course he does. Does Jesus offer peace by a meal brought to us amidst chaos? Of course he does. Because Jesus is not limited by means for this peace that he offers to us. I said, as my friend said to me, because he is the owner of peace, he decides how this peace is given. And so we can entrust ourselves. There's not a, there's not a, a narrow road for how this peace is brought. Jesus can provide this peace however Jesus decides to provide this peace. There's one source, make no mistake about it. But the means by which he provides that peace there are many. Second reason, back in verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace, one, at all times, two, in every way, three. The Lord of peace be with you all. This peace that Jesus provides is empowered by his presence. It's empowered by his presence. This is what Paul says in the last sentence, is the Lord be with you all. The goodness of our God is that we are not left to ourselves to just muster up peace, Hey, I'm so sorry that it's chaotic, Christian. You're supposed to find peace. You're supposed to be peaceful. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God. I mean, like, what? I, like, God's not just leaving us to say, figure it out. In fact, he's empowering us by his very presence, by his spirit to provide us this peace. The Prince of Peace comes to give us peace where we could not muster up peace. He doesn't just leave us to figure it out. He empowers us for it. This is a gift. Final thing that this peace looks like from Jesus, again, in verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace, one, at all times, two, in every way, three, the Lord of peace be with you all, four, the Lord of peace be with you all. This peace that Jesus provides doesn't discriminate. It does not discriminate. Paul's prayer is for all of those in the church of Thessalonica. I was reading in the NIV study Bible this past week as I was preparing for this. This peace that Paul prays for is for to everyone in the body of Christ at Thessalonica, those who are disruptive and those who are just crushing it as the people of Jesus. This peace is offered to you and to you and to you. It does not discriminate. And perhaps there are some of you in here who think, man, wouldn't it be great for Jesus to offer me peace? But Kate, you don't know the decisions that I've made, the places that I've gone, the baggage I carry. And I bet peace is for all kinds of those church people, but it's not for this person right here. And there's this scene in Mark chapter five where Jesus rolls into the land of the Gerasenes. And he said he's met by a demon-possessed man who lived among the tombs. A man that everybody had shunned, shoved out. Perhaps they had rumors about in the town. Hey, we know who that guy is. He screams and he cuts himself at night. He's wrenched chains apart. He's terrifying. We avoid him either because of decisions that he's made or decisions that were made for him. We have shoved him out. And somehow, by God's grace, Jesus meets him face to face. 
And the story goes, he casts the demons out into a herd of pigs. Herd of pigs roll over the cliff into the sea. The herdsmen are freaked out, so they run into the city. They're like, you gotta come and see what's going on in the tombs today. And so they come out to see what's going on, and it identifies the man who used to have the demon as sitting and clothed and in his right mind. This man, who again, because of decisions that he made or decisions that were made for him, was left out of probably everything societally, the peace of Jesus comes to him too. And if it comes to him, why not you? Who either because of decisions that you've made or decisions that were made for you, your life is chaotic. But the peace of Jesus is available to all those who call on the name of the Lord. Anyone who turns to Jesus by faith, this peace is for you. It doesn't discriminate. You can turn to Jesus and find this peace that your soul longs for. And the final question is this. What does this have to do with Christmas? It's like, kid, I don't know if you're new here, but like we're in Advent. So like, uh, isn't it about baby Jesus? Like what's going on here? How does Jesus' arrival bring peace? The first is this. The purpose of Jesus' arrival is to bring peace where we need it most. The purpose of Jesus' arrival is to bring peace where we need it most. You just sang this. You've sang it for years and perhaps have passed over it. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinner reconciled. You have sang Christmas after Christmas for why this matters, because the arrival of Jesus brings peace in the area that you and I need it the most. We read this in Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified, made right, declared right by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe if you're reading that, you're saying, okay, we've been justified by faith in our Lord. Therefore, we get to go to heaven when we die. That's true. That's not what Paul says. He says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is it that we would need peace with God? Colossians 1, 19 through 22, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. You see, the reason why you and I need peace with God is because prior to us following Jesus, we're not neutral toward God. In our sin, the scriptures define us as hostile toward God, enemies of God, Ephesians 2 says we are children of wrath. And thus we are opposed to him and need to be reconciled to him. We need peace to be brought where there is no peace. We need order to be brought where there is chaos. Listen, that you and I have caused. And we cannot in and of ourselves make for peace 
between God and sinner. And so what happens? The newborn king enters our chaos and lives perfectly where you and I were meant to be perfect. And he dies sacrificially where you and I were meant to die, but he bears the wrath of God on the cross in our place and he rises from the dead victoriously. So now we sing in truth and faith, God and sinner reconciled. And this is available to you today. This is why the gospel is such good news It's not to make us better people. It's not just to get us to heaven one day. It's because we, though enemies of God, have been reconciled to himself by faith in Christ. What a gift. And this is available to you today through trust in Christ. Turn to Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who has provided the way of peace where there was no peace. Look to Jesus. The second reason how his arrival makes for peace is because in his arrival, he gives us the example and the ability to promote peace between others. His life gives us the example, and by his spirit, we have the ability to promote peace between others. Tim Mackey, in this video about peace at the Bible Project, says, we, the people of Jesus who have been made made at peace with God, are meant to now go be people of peace. This is what Paul gets at in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, followers of Jesus, live at peace with all. We are meant to be people of peace. We are meant to be bringers of peace. But you're like, Katie, you don't know how whack the world is. I'm kind of aware. But you hear the words of Paul. If possible, so far as it depends on you, not so far as it depends on the person across from you at your office who's causing you chaos, the person on whatever news channel you choose who you don't agree with, whatever's happening on social media that you don't like. No, that's not what you're meant to bring peace to. You're as so far as it depends on you, live at peace with all. And so Tim Keller has this question that I think is helpful for us, follower of Jesus, are you more often marked by the peace that you bring or the chaos you create? In your office, in your neighborhood, in your house, on your social media platform of choice, are you more marked by the peace you bring or the chaos you create? Well, Kate, are you saying that we shouldn't call wrong, wrong, and evil, evil? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that so often, as the people of Jesus, to our shame, we have been more known for being promoters of chaos than bringers of peace, and it should not be that way. We who have been reconciled to God and peace has been brought where we needed it most ought to be people of peace, ought to be people of peace. Final way that Jesus' arrival brings peace is because it gives us hope for the peace that will one day come. It gives us hope for the peace that will one day come. I said to you in the beginning that this season of Advent isn't just meant for us to look back and remember what it was like to anticipate, but we also look forward with hopeful anticipation for Jesus' second Advent. When he comes and he 
establishes his kingdom finally and fully and restores all things. We have hope because God has sent Jesus and those promises were fulfilled. We now have hope that Jesus will again return and provide peace finally and fully. The truth of Revelation 21 will one day be true. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God. Can you just hear the reconciled language? The dwelling place of God is with man. He will be their God and they will be my people. Why? Because the Prince of Peace has come and made for peace where there was no peace. And in his return, this will be true, verse four, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things, the things that were chaotic, the things were anxiety ridden for us, they'll have passed away because the Prince of Peace has finally and fully established his reign. And where there was chaos, there's now shalom. Where there was disorder, there is now order. Where there was brokenness, there's now wholeness. Because Jesus is the source and giver of the peace that we long for at all times and in every way. And so my question to you is this. Is Jesus your source of peace? Are you looking to him? Person who's not a follower of Jesus in here, but maybe just is associated with Christianity culturally. I hope that in God's kindness, he brings you to the end of the places that you go to to find peace. And he helps you to see that they're not enough. And it causes you to turn to Jesus and see that the Prince of Peace is the source of peace the giver of peace and follower of Jesus. I hope we, as people who have been reconciled to God and peace has been brought in the area where we needed it most, would be people who continually display to those around us amidst the chaos of the world, we have a peace that goes beyond all understanding because our prince of peace provides it for us and we will continue to run to him for the peace that we require, and we will be the people that bring it in the places we go. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes? As we get an opportunity to respond, I just want you to think about what are some of the places that you tend to run to to find peace? And maybe what you need to do over the next few moments is just spend some time confessing that to God. You just offer a prayer and however you want to speak that to God. God, I, I'm tempted to run to these places to find peace. I don't want to go there. They're not enough. You have what I need. And just as an act of repentance, you offer that to God. And you're not met with shame. You're met with Grace. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I, 
I would just beg you to think about that. What will you do with the ache in your soul for peace? Jesus stands ready to forgive you, to make peace where you cannot make peace on your own. And so maybe you just voice that to God however you would word that to him. And maybe for others of you, you're, just in, you're, in, you're in scenarios that are just so chaotic, you can't seem to get your head above water. So here in a moment, there's going to be some pastors and prayer partners up here, and maybe one of the means by which God brings peace in your life is you just come and offload that to another person of Jesus, and they lift your arms for a little bit and remind you of the good promises of our God. But I'm going to pray, and then we'll respond together however God leads you to do so. Father, we are grateful uh, that in Christ you have done for us what we could not do for ourselves. That you are the true source of peace. Help us to look to you. We need you. Change us here to be more like your son. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen.